There's a moment in your life when you know you're destined for something greater. There's a force pulling you to create, explore, build, and lead. There's no map to guide you, no blueprint to help you navigate, just a tiny voice inside of you telling you to dream big. I've never been the girl who let things go. When I want something, I'm going to get it. What I've learned about myself, no textbook or class or person could have shown me that. That came from here. You have unique strengths that you're meant to give to this world. If you have it in your heart that you want to build your own company, don't let anyone or anything stop you. Betty's. I'm Olivia Land, Barnard College student and Dream Girl ambassador, reporting to you from the Beaver Dam to interview two very special ladies you all know and love, Diana Matthews, Dream Girl associate producer, and Erin Bagwell, director of the film. Ladies, welcome to your own show. Hi. Olivia. Olivia, this is so exciting. I'm like dying. We're right so now. excited to have you. I'm so excited to just see to you. Here. To see your face. Uh, <laughs> Amazing. It's it's we go way back. We do. Do you want to tell people years. how we know, how okay. we all know each other? Sure. Well, that's actually kind of my first question. So okay. Wonderful segue. I connected with Erin and the Dream Girl mission when I went to the premiere after hearing about it on a podcast. So this is super full circle. Um, when I was a soft junior in high school and I emailed Erin saying, thank you for making this premiere public. This was so wonderful. And we hit it off from there. And I've been writing a little bit for Feminist Wednesday and I interned with the team last year. So this is a really appropriate moment, I feel like, next step in our relationship. Um, so I was wondering if to start off, um, you could talk us through or give us the footnotes of the beginnings of Dream Girl and how you two sort of came together and made this team that we're all obsessed with. For sure. So I guess it started with me, um, you know, doing my nine to five, being sexually harassed at my job, feeling horribly unseen. And then at the same time, I was friends with a, I still am friends with a girl named Julie Siegel, who was like, you know, you're the founder of Feminist Wednesday, this feminist storytelling blog. Like, why don't you come into our founder networking events? Why don't you be part of our tribe? And she really kind of welcomed me to this community of women who were super badass, you know, raising millions of dollars, had employees, and were basically living, you know, in what in my mind was like the dream of, you know, me being in this marginalized, horrible job to like being around all these women. And um, so I quit my job because I hated it and was like, what am I going to do? 
I need to do something. How do I monetize Feminist Wednesday? That was like my big thing. I was like, I'm going to make this into a real business. And then the idea just like popped into my head one day that was like, I should make a movie about Julie and all my friends who are running companies. It'd be super inspiring. We're having a real lean in moment. This was four years ago. And I was like, this is cutting edge. Like people are going to be super into it. So um, I hired a team of female producers and videographers and I put together a Kickstarter campaign, raised $100,000 in 30 days with the help of Marie Forleo, and then really went on kind of what I felt like was like a high-speed chase of making, producing, casting, hiring to do this movie. And um, when I made the $100,000 on Kickstarter, I got an email from a girl named Komal Minhas in uh, Ottawa, Canada, who wanted to be part of the film, wanted to help in some way. I really liked her energy. And so we started working together and ended up um, producing the film. And uh, then, the bat- then, the bat- stage, right. then the baton gets passed <laughs> to Diana. Um, so yeah, I was working, or I wasn't working. I was going to school in Ottawa and uh, Como put out a call for interns. And it was like, do you like feminism? Do you like movies? Do you like New York City? Do you want to come work for this team of all women? And I was like, I'm sorry, what is happening right now? <laughs> so I applied for it. Um, I, was remember, I remember throwing in my resume and application on like this dark, disgusting, freezing cold day in December um, when I had like a million other things on my to-do list. And I, I like literally pushed them all to the side and was just like, I need to apply for this job because I need to be a part of Dream Girl. Um, and fast forward like, a little bit. I got the job. I was working uh, remotely from Calgary, Alberta, Canada. Um, I came out and visited uh, you guys here in New York City um, in March 2016. And from there, they were like, we need you to come and launch this movie and do the distribution for work with the distribution for the film. And I moved in July 2016. And I remember you and I didn't know each other at all. Mm-hmm. And I remember being on the phone with you when I was still in Calgary. And you were like, oh, you're moving to New York. So like pack your bags, pack your apartment, like give your notice, you're done. And I was like, oh my God, like who am I, who am I going to work with? She's so scary. Um, yeah, you were like. You did not think I was scary. No, I love the energy, but I was like. Well, you came when you came to New York. Komal and I did like a talk or something for like yeah. this organization that shall not be named because it was not a pleasant experience. <laughs> but I remember watching you and being like, "Could Diana live in New York?" Because we really did want you to be here, mm-hmm. and I didn't want to like freak you out. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So it was at the end of that weekend that we were like, and after I could tell your love for the city and you were so interested in being here, you wanted to be here, that it was like, yeah, I think you know, we're going to plant this seed that you're going to eventually have to truck on down. Yeah. So I did in July and after our lunch and we dove straight into distribution and just started selling this baby and building out the community and building out the audience and hosting interns on our team. It was delightful. Two years ago. It's crazy. It is crazy. Yeah. All right. Fantastic. So (laughs) one of my personal favorite parts about the film is we get a little sneak peek besides the entrepreneurs who are featured into your process of getting this whole project off the ground. One of my favorite scenes is you and Colma like dancing in the elevator. Um, So I was wondering what have been some of the biggest triumphs and also some of the biggest struggles in this whole process from starting filming to like where you are with Dream Girl today. 
You know, I think the biggest um, struggle with making a documentary just in general is that the process is always changing. And I think that my job, for the most part, is keeping people excited about what we're doing. You know, if we don't have an audience or if we're not sharing the film, um, the art doesn't have any kind of resonance in the world and in the culture. And so I think that has been the hardest thing for me is like, throughout the journey, figuring out how to use my voice and my platform and my personality to kind of share what we're doing. And I will say like the last two years for distribution have been hard because the film is already out, you know, and we're, we're not getting press like Oprah and the White House like we did in the beginning. And so um, it is, it's hard to kind of keep up that momentum and that energy to like make it feel really big all the time. I mean, I, it has been my full-time job for four years. Um, so I think that has been a really, uh, hard part of the process. Um, and something I'm thinking a lot about now as we're, as we're launching the film and as we're sharing it is like, how do we continue to, you know, move the ball forward and pass everything and, and get people really hyped. Um, but there were so many highs and lows. I wrote a series called The Gal's Guide to Making a Movie, which is on Feminist Wednesday, which people can read. I have 12 short stories about the ups, the downs, and all the different nuances that happen. So... Um, but I think that's where I'm at kind of right now is like this is the challenge I'm facing is figuring out how to get people hyped and excited and into watching this movie. Yeah, it's um, it was it's it's been such a like I mean, people always say like it's so crazy this journey that we went on, but it like it really was something else. And I, I think moving here at the same time as launch at the same time as building a relationship with you, Aaron, um, everything was new. And it was like so exciting because I just feel like the momentum of Dream Girl and how aligned I felt with the film and the community propelled me forward in like such a huge way. And I think the personal triumph for me of experiencing what it's like to feel so aligned with what you're working on, the people you're working with, um, the community that you're serving was just the privilege of a lifetime. Like I, I do not discount how profound it was for me to move to New York City, which for so many people is such a hard place to live. And I just felt overjoyed every day to like wake up and, and go to work and to be in the office with you. And I think for me, the triumph of this film is the way women feel seen and heard and validated. We get messages. I still get messages. I got messages of like the other day uh, from a friend in Calgary who went to a screening and was just like, oh my God, I saw a familiar face in the movie. Like, hey, what are you working on? Um, you know, just the outpouring of women feeling so empowered by Dream Girl is really what uh, I think is the ultimate triumph of this film, not to mention $100,000 on Kickstarter, Oprah, White House, you know, all of the really exciting things that happen career-wise. For me, the community has been um, the biggest the biggest inspiration to me through this whole journey. Um, and they've, they've moved us through the, you know, the really big struggles that we've had to do in distributing a film when none of us have any sales experience or any kind of, any kind of pertinent experience to actually selling a product um, <laughs> <laughs> is, is a challenge in and of itself. Um, and I think just showing up for each other every day was, was challenging at times. It's we we're, we're a tight team. And I think that, when there's energy, when there's, um, you know, when people are tired, when people are maybe a little, you know, like, resentful, people are a little exhausted, people are unsure of themselves, there's nowhere for that energy to go but into each other. Yeah. And I think that um, it was a challenge 
to show up every day and to like do the work and to trust that we're all in this together and we're all figuring it out together. And to kind of build that sisterhood was um, something I'm really proud of with our team. Yeah. Well, it was such a fumble too, because in the beginning, to your point, like we had no sales experience. We had no idea what we were doing. And, you know, we were dealing with this huge emotional loss because Komal had moved back to Canada Mm -hmm. and was taking care of her health. And I think, you know, on top of feeling so lost in like our mission and what the work was, we also just felt like emotionally gutted. We were mourning the loss of, you know, having one someone who was our best friends, you know, in our life. Um, and so, yeah, going into the office sometimes was really painful. And finding the joy and anchoring ourselves, I think, with, you know, continuing to talk to each other. I think that's why you and I are so close is because we went through that together and we continued to support each other. And I remember there was like a point where – Like, you know, I think as the founder, I tried to protect you and Kylie so much of like all the tumultion that was going on. And then there was one point in the office where I just came in and cried. And I was like, I can't, I can't be this person anymore. And like you, I have to let you guys in of what's going on and how I feel because it was taking up so much space in the office. Um, And I felt like you just leveled the fuck up. And you were like, okay, I'm here for you. I'm going to show up. What do you need? And you really, I think, in a lot of ways became a co-founder, you know, during that time and shouldering so much of what we were doing, um, which I will forever be grateful for because I tell Sal all the time, I'm like, I don't think we could have gotten through it. I don't think we could have got the movie out. I don't think people would have seen it. You know, if we hadn't have been there in the trenches together, I couldn't have done it alone. Well, um, thank you, but it was, it was, it was like, <laughs> I, mean, I mean, Olivia, we are going there yeah, with you. Wow. Thrilled. Are I you like, this. is your last name Winfrey? Like, do you just make everybody do this right Maybe. off the bat in an Maybe. interview? Um, yeah, I mean, it was your leadership that, that made space for me to do that. So I think as much as you felt I showed up for you, I felt like you were someone worth showing up for yeah. and I would do it again tomorrow. So Thanks, lady. Yeah, girl. And it's worth noting, too, that when Diana and I started working together, because Komal had went, uh, went and got, had, was doing surgery in Ottawa, and you and I were in the office for, like, the first two months by ourselves. And I was like, I don't know if I'm going to be able to talk to this girl. I don't know who she is. Who knows if we even like Komal each other. I know likes her. I know, like, I've Skyped with her. But I wasn't even managing you, I don't think, at that point. And, we like, also had a movie to sell on an international and level. And it was like, so. all right, here we go. I remember coming back from, like – a six-day vacation in Florida and then came back and was like all right Diana like let's get to it yeah you met my mom we like hung out it was great it was like so here we are yeah New York City and now we're just moving it all forward <laughs> so weird to think about like not knowing you it's mm-hmm. just like such a weird space <laughs> yeah I don't even remember the question that was <laughs> That was a roller coaster. Well, those are amazing answers. And I really <laughs> resonated with the idea of both of you sort of providing space for each other to step up and become these amazing sort of entrepreneurs and sort of spearheading this film in the space that you were meant to and are still, you know, and continue to grow and be able to fill up that space. Um, I go to a women's college. So this past sort of like nine months, I've learned a lot about what it means to have like your tribe of people to be there and like rally around you and help you when you're like, my vision is falling apart or celebrate with you when everything is great. Um, so I wanted to ask you about what it was like from your perspective, Erin, first taking 
Dream Girl and Feminist Wednesday and all of this huge mission that has really grown, I think, so much even in the past two years since I've seen this film. Um, from this idea that you had in your apartment in Brooklyn to something that you're working on with a team and perhaps like the compromises and how that process has been for you, um, also emotionally um, attached to this project that is obviously so close to your heart. And then Diana, what it was like to come in to this mission that someone else had created and then putting your own sort of stamp on it as both a woman and then also like as a professional working human who's really good at what she does. Yeah, I, I've been thinking a lot about this lately as we as we're launching the film because I I miss the team and I love the team and I Diana and I don't work together anymore full time. I just, I'm the only one that does um, Dream Girl at the moment and I loved having I loved having the office. I loved having us all together. Um, I loved being able to collaborate. Um, and I, I always felt so grateful that people cared about, you know, the work that I had created and was just really hyped about it. I never felt any kind of ego or, um, like protectiveness over it. Um, so there weren't any kind of weird emotions or feelings in any way. Um, and it's interesting. So for, uh, the dream girl launch, we have the ambassadors program that you're a part of, which is 15 high school and college students. Um, and I think subconsciously, I mean, I know, you know, for me, I made this for the high school version of myself. I want high school and college people to see it. But I think also I miss the camaraderie of having like a, a wolf pack together to celebrate this excitement. Um, and so I really like having a team. I'm, I'm excited to continue to move forward and produce and be collaborative with people. It's, it's really hard to be a solo entrepreneur. You know, my therapist takes on a lot more heavy lifting. You know, Sal takes on a lot of heavy lifting and the decision making and things. And, you know, you always need somebody to kind of check your brain. Diana still copy edits all, <laughs> all the newsletters. With I mean, love. she still gets pulled into stuff, um, you know, all the time. You need you need people to help you. Um, it's just part of the process. So, yeah, I miss it. I Being a solo entrepreneur sucks. I can't wait to not. To, to be in a new space, to be in a new project, to have, you know, my team again. Yeah, definitely. I think for me, um, again, like the path with Dream Girl for me was so clear. I just, I feel like it just clicked from like the, the first time I saw the posting for the job. Um, and I think to work in something where, you know, you know, we didn't know what the hell we were doing every day, but, but we knew why we were doing it. And we knew where we wanted to take it. And I think the collaborative nature that we just, we instantly worked with off the bat. You were asking me for my opinion on things. Um, you were, you know, including me in decision-making. It just, from the very beginning, um, I felt so integrated into the mission and into the uh, process of the work. And I think that that was something that was so amazing to walk into was a job where um, you know, you're doing everything from editing newsletters to figuring out a distribution strategy. And that is a learning curve that would have been absolutely debilitating had it not been like such an empowering energy. Um, and, and so we were so deeply aligned with, we were on the same page from the get-go about we, what we wanted to do with it. Um, and what you, Aaron, had uh, put forward as your dream for the film. So it was really... Oh God, I just like can't I can't say enough about our team because I think it was just so lucky that the world pulled us all together in the way that it did around this film. And people never get that 
you know, in their work. I, I remember talking about it with one of my girlfriends of, she's just like, what are the girls like that you work with? Like, what's Erin like? What's like, who are these people? And I literally was like, she's the best. And I don't have to lie about it. And I know there are people there. Uh, there are people, everybody says that the people they work with are great. But well, um, I always kind of feel like I ruined you and Kylie because to have that be like your yeah, first job. <laughs> yeah, you really no, you really did. I was telling you, Mary, the other day because I'm, you know, going to be looking to apply for a new position in the fall or in the summer. And I said to him, like, I'm never going to I'm never going to have that again. Like, I was like, I'm never going to have that. The stars align in that way again. It was just so out of body to come from Calgary, Canada, on the other side of the continent um, to this woman in Brooklyn with her cat in her apartment making this movie that spoke so deeply to my spirit. So, um, yeah, I'm ruined. I'm effectively ruined. For <laughs> <laughs> Hi, my name is Diana Matthews, and I'm ruined for all future employment. <laughs> um, but I, I, it taught me everything. It taught me everything about what it means to run a company. It taught me everything about what it means to work with other people and to make space and to collaborate. Um, and it taught me a lot about what I'm made of and what I'm capable of, which is incre- I'm incredibly grateful to it. Same. What would your advice be to a young woman who is looking to really find that group mm. of people and launch herself into the world with that net? Well, I think it's so hard because I think for me, I felt so frustrated as a young woman in the workplace. And I I laugh that I've ruined you because, you know, the first couple of jobs that I had, I felt so unseen and felt so unvalidated. And I continued to, you know, kind of feel like I was like a square, you know, going in a circle peg and just feeling so um, out of alignment. And I think when you're a young woman, it's tough because if you're ambitious and you're bossy like I am, you, you are a natural born leader. You want to be a manager. You have big ideas. You're going after stuff. And like from the very first job I ever had, I did all of those things. And then people look at you in senior management and they go like, who the fuck do you think you are? You have no experience. You know, you have no people skills, blah, 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 blah. Um, and I felt like really disconnected in a lot of jobs because I would just keep bouncing from positions to positions where people wanted me to be quiet. They wanted me to like do my work and like not make any waves. And that's just not who I am. If I have an idea, if I think something could be more efficient, I'm going to make a Google doc. I have a whole six point plan and I'm just going to do it without you is usually what I would end up doing. Um, and it's really frustrating. And I think young women who feel those spaces, Um, I think sometimes it happens. I think sometimes our age sucks and you're going to feel unseen. Um, I will say there are companies now that are, you know, a lot more that are run by women that you can kind of find your tribe, find your people. But I always tell um, young women who are interviewing, like, look at who's at the top of the company. Make sure there's a huge, you know, if there's not a co-founder, at least senior leadership or women you know, see how many women are on the floor, like really ask critical questions of your employer and where you're going because your time is valuable and you are worthy of being in a workspace that will accommodate, you know, who you actually are. Um, But it can be really tough, I think, out there. Yeah. And also like know that it may not happen right away. Like it's going to be, it's kind of like putting a puzzle together sometimes, you know, it's like, because feminism and, and, you know, your own, your own feminism is always constantly shifting and it's always constantly in motion. And I, I think that it can be hard to, we can put so much pressure on ourselves that we need to find a community. We need to find a job. We need to find something that's totally aligned with who we are. We need to love what we do from nine to five every day. And it's 
not realistic always. And I think that, you know, don't beat yourself up if that doesn't come to you right away. And if it doesn't manifest for the first 10 years of your career, maybe. 100%. I think that um, it's very, it's amazing when it happens and, and trust that it will happen. It absolutely, you know, you're deserving of it and that it's out there. Um, and I think just, you know, go to work every day, but also be building yourself and be building your own dreams and see where those take you as well. Um, yeah, I would also say to that point, like, for sure, I mean, it's going to take forever. I mean, the first, you know, after I graduated, like, I worked at a toy store for a year. Like, I didn't do anything, yeah. you know, and I wasn't sure what I wanted to do, and I wanted to move to New York, but I was too scared. So I just kind of, like, floated around, and, like, that's totally fine. Like, you, to your point, you're not going to be in alignment at all times. And sometimes after you do something really big, sometimes, like, the universe is giving you space to just, like, regenerate. And you're not going to have like A to B to C totally planned out. Yeah. And I will say like when I first moved here, I felt so integrated, obviously, into the feminist community here in the city and through you. Like, Erin, you are so, you know, so many incredible women who are doing incredible things. And now that I've been out of it for almost like nine months now, um, you know, out of it full time, still going to the odd event here and there, but um, mostly not, you know, not going to screenings as much as I used to and just totally, totally different focus. Um, I'm pretty starved for it again. Like, it's mm. funny how you can be so saturated in your tribe. Um, and then, you know, life takes over and your focus is taken somewhere else. And then you, it's like, oh my gosh, like I'm not cultivating that anymore. I'm not fostering it. So I will also say, you know, if you are seeking, go out and find because it's out there. And, you know, with groups that you can join on Facebook and I really encourage people to meet up in person, but you know, if it's not available to you in your community, we run the Dream Girl Network on Facebook. It's a community of, you know, like-minded women who come together to talk about everything under the sun. Um, but it is out there. And I, I, I think it can be so discouraging sometimes if it doesn't manifest right away. But if you are, if you know that you are interested in something, there's absolutely someone who's also interested in the same thing. A thousand percent. I was at a screening in Amarillo and we were doing like a brunch for 50 women and they were all like, oh, we want to network. We want to network. And I was like, how many of you in the audience want to network? And like 50 of them raised their hands. And I said, great. Well, I'll see you later. And you ladies get together yeah. and meet once a month. Yeah. If you're looking for it, someone else's too. Absolutely. And like create it, you know, that, that can be a little scary for sure. It can be a little daunting, but just even meeting up with someone you've always wanted to connect with, reach out to them. Cole and Aaron came together because like, she sent her an email one day. I answer all of my emails. Erin's an email queen, just if anybody has any concern about that. But um, reach out, reach out, talk to people and trust that even though it's scary and it's a little practice and vulnerability, um, the payoff is huge if you when you land it. Incredible. I think that point, especially about not always being sort of in flow or I think the word you used was in alignment. alignment. Yes. Amazing word. Um, is really important because I've even noticed this in my own community of friends and women. I know that um, it can be really stressful at times to feel like, especially um, at a college like the one I go to, everyone's super ambitious and super focused to like feel like this summer you need to have like the perfect internship and perfect plan and be on track to do amazing things and win those 19 Oscars or whatever. Um, and sometimes you're not in that place and it's okay to allow yourself to be there. I think what I'm hearing is a lot of let it happen, have that moment where you come into the office and you cry and then you build yourself up and then you get up the next day you and you go after it again. Exactly. Definitely a good life motto for everyone listening. Um, 
So I actually, not to make this a super career-focused um, interview, but I thought going off of what you said, it would be interesting to know what your sort of number one tip would be for someone who, like I did a month ago, walks into an interview, gets totally intimidated, totally blows it, and now is like, well, I'm, I'm totally done for life. What would you say to that person? Well, I have a RuPaul piece of advice, <laughs> as I do. <laughs> um, RuPaul says that if you're really good at something and then you're really bad at something, transfer the way that you view your perspective and your narrative around the thing that you're bad at to be more like the thing you're good at. So I was really bad at interviewing, but I'm really good at going out on dates and people find me very charming. So what I would do when I would go in the room is pretend I, not like in a sexual way or anything like that, I'm not like hitting on my person, but I change the perspective of like the room that I'm entering of like, oh no, this is like fun and casual and I'm just going to be like super like my best self and just, do you know what I mean? Be open and changing the dynamic and the power of like having it all be in one person's hands truly helped me. Um, But interviewing sucks and it's really hard. And the first job interview I went on, I had a woman who ran a video production company in Buffalo and she looked at my portfolio and to be fair, in college, I was like a little bit of an artist (laughs) and my portfolio was like all these different um, like opacities and like paint drippings and like close-ups of like ants walking and like it was very abstract and like the colors were like all 60s and like it was definitely not for me to bring this to a corporate space, whatever. But she was like, I'm so confused by you. You're never going to work in the film industry. I hate everything about what's going on. And at that point in my filmmaking journey, I produced a 34-minute documentary in college. And so I thought I was like really hot shit. And I was like, I just made this whole half feature. Like that's the most anyone had ever done in my school. Like I'm a really big deal in my video program. Everybody knows who I am. And then to walk into that interview and have this woman be like, I don't know what this is. And it is not going to succeed. Like really was traumatizing. And I went home and I sobbed hysterically and I, you know, totally was devastated that this was not going to work out. And it was a mock interview for school. It wasn't even like a real interview, which was also really stupid. Um, Wait, she said this to a student? Yes, I was a student. (laughs) I was a senior. It was like, we're going to send you out on a fake interview with like our alum to like practice. Oh, she hated me. Yeah, that's devastating. But anyway, the point is, like, sometimes people are not going to like you and, like, fuck them, you know? And sometimes it doesn't work out. Yeah, I would yes and that of, like, Brian Cranston has some great advice. (laughs) Because if we can't get through an episode without RuPaul, we definitely can't get out through one without Brian Cranston. Um, He talks about the process of auditioning um, as Mm. an actor, and he, he ties it to abundance and scarcity, where he says... You know, instead of going to an interview, an audition, a meeting, whatever, thinking, what what do I need from them? Mm. Think, what do I have to offer them? And I think that that, for me, was, like, such a huge shift. I was, like, interviewing at the time for jobs when I saw him talk about it in his book. Um, and he talked about, you know, every audition that he went to, whether he had done, like, a commercial two years ago or he had worked yesterday on a play. Um he tried to shift his narrative instead of like, oh God, like rent is due on the first. Like, how am I going to pay the bills? How am I going to, I need this job because I need to be able to pay off this loan or I need to be able to um, add this to my resume or this is something I need to do in order to work with this person. He would say, this is my work. This is what I'm capable of. This is what I bring to the table. Um, And you can like it or you can't. And I think that that mindset, that shift 
of shifting the perspective on what you're good at versus what you're bad at um, is really helpful for me to to detach it from the scarcity of because it is scarce. Like, it's vulnerable. It's and like people can smell that on you, too. Right. And if you walk in there like you don't need it, then all of a sudden everyone's like, we got to have a it. A thousand percent. Or it's if like you when you need, like, like, a cab in the rain and yeah. you get an Uber and then you see, like, 50 of them. Yeah. yeah. Every time. Every time. Every time. Um, but, yeah, I think that uh, Brian Cranston and RuPaul should do a <laughs> sit-down together about this. I bet they will. Amazing. <laughs> so sort of dialing back to more dream girl focused content I was thinking it's so it's been almost two years since the premiere at the Paris theater definitely one of the most exciting glamorous moments of my life so I can't imagine what it was for you guys well I don't know I've had a few but no (laughs) (laughs) um so looking at all that you've accomplished and all that all the ways that dream girl has evolved in those two years what is your dream for Dream Girl and where do you want it to be two years from now? Whoa. <laughs> no, what are you looking at? This is like, come on. Um, for two years I'm from now. I'm curious of your answer, Diana. Two years from now. Um, I want her to continue to inspire women around the world. I want to see the community get bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger and women create their own content and their own businesses and their own communities, um, having seen the entrepreneurs on screen and and recognizing themselves and their stories. I would love to see um, a foundation come out of Dream Girl. That's something that we had talked about, kind of high dreamed at one point, um, that would fund female entrepreneurs, women who maybe uh, can't afford their tuition or... Uh, that would fund opportunities for women internationally. Um, I would love to see her on some kind of streaming platform to make her super easily accessible. We're putting on her, her on YouTube, but I would love to see her alongside some of the best films because I think that she's better than them. Um, and I would love to see a little bit of love from Hollywood. I'd love to see like um, a really incredible champion come forward and uh and elevate Aaron and elevate the type of content that uh we want to continue making hmm. so those I are want to be um in every high school in North America that's it period <laughs> I like that one so going off of that why what is your what drew you to specifically this high school college demographic so I'm part of the ambassadors now I know you're really passionate about getting this film into high schools and colleges. So what is it that really like sparks your sort of flame for that? I think it's because that's when I started making movies. You know, I think that's when I started feeling like I found my voice. And I always and I still think, you know, editing is so meditative. It's so spiritual for me. And um, I felt like that, you know, when I was 15 and 16 in my parents' basement. And I think, you know, one of the reasons that and I struggled with whether or not I was going to put my story alongside of the film, but then with Komal's journey, it kind of all made sense. Um, but I chose it intentionally to leave myself in because I wanted young women to view themselves as filmmakers and see themselves as filmmakers. And nothing makes me like more excited than if I can go into a screening and I have a, you know, a girl or her mom come up and say like, you're the first filmmaker we've ever met. Um, I think that's really powerful. And I think that we're at a time where 
you know, we're so interested and excited in women's stories and, you know, we need women to be producers and writers and, you know, DPs. I was just at Women in the World and they were talking about like the male gaze through commercials. And it's like, it's really important if we want gender equality that we have to see it through, you know, interweaved through the media. Um, And so I think I'm really obsessed with this high school space because I think young women are woke as fuck and I think they're ready for it and I think they're excited and... Um, you know, whenever I do screenings at high schools, they're like the absolute best. And they're also at a, like a weird time culturally, you know, they have a lot of questions and, you know, we don't have feminism 101 and we don't have rape culture 101. So there's a lot of questions. There's a lot of stuff that's going on. And so, um, it's such a privilege and it's such a joy to be able to like talk to and take selfies with and connect with that group. I see them. I think that's really powerful because I think a lot of high school and college girls don't necessarily feel seen Hmm. all the time. I think the media has a lot to say about that demographic, but doesn't necessarily know what they're talking about. Well, I think that goes (laughs) back to that, that feeling of being unseen at work. Mm -hmm. Like I, I get that so viscerally, you know, and it's something that continues to happen to me is people just don't get it. So I get, I, I see it. I get it. Insane. So I was wondering, sort of as we're wrapping up my question and answer, um, what your message would be to young people, particularly young women, who feel like their dreams are too big? I'm thinking of those tote bags that say, like, dream big, dream girl. Yes. Diana's never seen without one. Exactly. I brought it to my wedding. Yeah, she did. <laughs> I love that. Yeah, she did. Oh she was photographed God. with her white jumpsuit, her goddamn dream girl tote bag. Always <laughs> and forever. Um, your dreams are too big. Are they? Are they too big? That's the. That's how we open the conversation. No, but seriously, I think. Um, yeah, dreams. Dreams do feel lofty, and they do feel super intimidating, and. You know, when you're in high school, I, th- I remember being in high school and I just wanted someone to like put me in. Like I was like, put me in coach. I am <laughs> ready to go. Like get me in there. I want, I, at that point I wanted to be a news anchor and I was pretty convinced that I could shoulder MTV by myself. Um, I could see it. <laughs> <laughs> but I think that, um, I think the, the first step with a, taking on your dream is to tell someone about it. I know that whenever I've felt like I want to accomplish something or I feel like a little intimidated by my own plan, um, I tell my friends about it and I just start talking about it and I start feeling out how they feel about it. And I, you know, I don't take on that kind of emotion from them, but oftentimes their first response is go, like, tell me more, tell me what you want to do. Why do you want to do that? Let's get into it. You know, I've never... I feel lucky that I've never like told someone what I want to do and they've been like, whoa, 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 calm down. Like, that's not a thing. Don't do that. Um, so I think, I think start talking about it. I think if there's something that you want to do, um, tell someone, start, start a plan, start a Google doc, start a journal, start, you know, writing about it, thinking about it, maybe making a video about it. Um, but yeah, take the first step to tell someone. I have a lot of thoughts about this. So I think big dreams you know, are supposed to be scary. I think, you know, we look at, you know, even like thinking about my journey, like wanting to make a documentary film, like there's a thousand steps before you can even get to like the starting point of being on set. 
Um, and to your point, Diana, like to not be intimidated by that and just all you have to do is the first thing, you know, and then you create momentum and it kind of builds or it doesn't or you pivot or you figure it out. Um, but I th don't think we can be overwhelmed by our big dreams. Um, and I would say something, too, is like something I have discovered recently is I've been feeling like, OK, I'm going to take this next step. I'm going somewhere. I'm kind of feeling like I'm trying to figure out intuitively like what the next step is going to be intentionally. And something that's been really helpful for me is like following the fear. Like what am I scared of? Like what is like freaking me out? Like what if, you know, that happened? And so I think we need to listen to those instincts that sometimes are scary when we think about big dreams. But like they're telling us something. They're like lighting us up in some way. And, you know, we opened the quote with the Gloria Steinem quote that says, you know, dreaming is a form of planning. Because I think it's so intentional that women need to dream because our world is not equal. You know, we don't have maternity leave. We don't have equal pay. We need to literally imagine a world that is better so that we can create that. Um, and I don't think we can underestimate the power of manifesting and believing and, and really owning and valuing our worth. I mean, we're always going to have these moments of doubt and self-sabotage, but I feel like we owe it to, you know, generations before us and the generations that have fought for us to kind of keep it moving onward. Mm -hmm. um, and so I think dreaming is like not to be fucked with. I think it's really powerful. I think it's it should be really intentional. And I think it should be part of everyone's daily practice. Yeah, I agree. And I think that when you do start, you know, when you do start like tangible steps, maybe you already have an idea in mind of something tangible you want to accomplish. Like I want to make a movie. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, you have everything that you need in yourself to start that path and to keep going, but you're not meant to do it alone. And I think that oftentimes I know I'm really guilty of the orphan child syndrome of like, it's only valuable if I do it alone. Like I have to do this myself. I have to do everything like myself. A starving artist narrative right. that it has to be painful and torturous. Right. Mm -hmm. And I think that's bullshit. I think if you, if you feel yourself talking like that, Stop it, recognize it, um, and bring people along with you because they think that, you know, whether or not they're helping you build your business, whether or not you bring on a co-founder, whether or not you, um, you know, n actually need someone in the business with you, you definitely, um, help is available. And I think that like that t ties back to the community and the tribe syndrome of like, find those people who want to support you because they are there and lean on them. And know that they're there to help you achieve your dreams as much as you are there to dream them. So, Also, I feel like if your intention is really pure, like sh stuff happens that you could never imagine. Mm -hmm. And I feel like with Dream Girl, you know, I wanted to make this movie. I wanted to learn more about these entrepreneurs, you know, but we never knew that Oprah was going to call us or that we were going to get, you know, White House treatment. And I was texting my brother and I was like, you know, <laughs> I'm always like so annoying. I'm like, you know, you should do your YouTube channel and you should get your audience out there. And like, I'm always kind of, I guess badgering people is, is maybe an appropriate word to kind of like go towards what they're doing because I have been so blessed. And so like, I've been such a, um, I've been so receiving from the universe and from what has happened to us that I want everyone to truly experience this. And my brother was like, you know, you need to like back off. And I'm like, you know, that's not the way the world works. And I'm like, I met Oprah, you know, like I'm an army brat from Buffalo and I met fucking met Oprah. Like you, you never know. You do not know. There's no reason not to do it. I also think 
you never know who's working on your behalf. And that's something that we've talked about a lot over the journey. You know, like there are people who come out of the woodwork that's like, hey, I, the White House is a great example. It was one of our backers who... Um, and Oprah too. And Oprah. Like it's just these people are in the woodwork and, you know, just keep moving forward with what you're doing and people will find you and people will seek you and and things will happen that you never dreamed of but that you need to remain open to and trust that this is all coming your way um and that's something that over the past two years has been a huge lesson for me is just like wow the amount of people that have just come out on facebook come out on instagram um who have just been like hey i put your i put the film in the hands of so and so i hope that's okay uh she's the leader of this organization that's like like it's just incredible to see the way that the ripple effect takes over um, so it's very powerful. I'd say I also love that Gloria Steinem quote. I think I've I think I've used it in a Feminist Wednesday article before, potentially. <laughs> We've all used it. It was and written in the front of my journal before I even knew that you were opening the movie with it. Amazing. That's the level, lady. <laughs> and I also love this idea of sharing your dreams because I think that's also a really big obstacle for people to get over. I know for myself, I've always been very tempted to keep my goals super private. So I'm like, well, what if it doesn't work out? I don't want people to know. I remember last year, I really wanted to get into Barnard, which now seems like such a small goal. And like, if I didn't, it wouldn't have been the end of the world, but it felt like such a, what it would have been like a very validating experience. And I didn't tell anyone. My parents knew, a couple members of my family knew, but nobody else knew. None of my friends, my best friend didn't know. And then I got in and it was fine, but it would have been really, I think, nice to like say to someone like, this is what my ambition is and I want to go for it. And for them to be like, yeah. What do goal that. do you have right now that you're okay. not talking about? Okay, okay. This, I was going to get, I was going to get there. <laughs> well, <laughs> I'm going to take you there on the fast track. My, I was on the phone with my dad a couple days ago and I was Are talking Are you going to run for president? No. Because I've already told you <laughs> numerous times when you are ready, I'm going to run your campaign okay. and I'm just going to say it publicly. All right, guys, you heard it here first. Some weirdo is going to dig this up in like <laughs> 30 years and be like, Olivia Land was interviewed on Beaver Talk and this is where she like first made her bid. 2040. Wait for it. Um, and I was on the phone with my dad and I was telling him about what I want to study in college, which I think is giving my parents a bit of a heart attack right now, but it's fine. Um, and I was like, yeah, I really love this art history thing. I really want to do it. But to do what I want to do, there's a lot of grad school involved, but I kind of really want to do that. And he was like, really? He's like, you want to do like PhD? You want to do that? I was like, yeah, I think I do. And I think I want to go to like Oxford or something and I want to like kill it. And he was like, okay, you make that work. Okay. And I was like, yeah, dad. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) And it was just a really empowering moment. And I've definitely felt that transformation in myself in the past years. Be like, when you really want something, like walk up to your friend and be like, guess what idea I had for my life. And if they're your friend, you're going to be like, that's amazing. You're going to do it. And I'm going to help you get there. Even if that means just like texting you on your way to your interview and being like, good job and sending you a funny like gif or meme. <laughs> and I <laughs> feel like that's honestly like the hardest part. Like once you can get over the hurdle of naming it, then everything becomes mm-hmm. a lot easier. Then you can make your Google Doc. Exactly. With the title. 
Yeah. <laughs> and just start naming like big things and small things. Like I have a friend who she texts me like affirmations sometimes. And she's just like, <laughs> she'll text me like on a Monday and she's just like, I'm going to make dinner for myself every night this week. And I'll be like, <laughs> go. Like you got that. Like I'm like, you do it. And then, and then she'll text me something like I'm going to do my MBA at Wharton and like, she'll just like go off on this like dreamy, beautiful path. And like, I feel like it's kind of one of those things where it's like, don't be too precious with it. Like if you have goals, just like start naming them to like somebody who is a text away and will reply with like a rainbow emoji or something. Just like start naming it. Start just like getting really casual about like the big and the small goals because it does become, it does lessen their effect. Like when mm-hmm. you get into Barnard and you're like, wow, I can't believe that I stayed up nights thinking about having this experience, you know? Also, it's just like your ego getting in the way of like Absolutely. feeling a little rejection. I feel like that's something I've been trying to check myself yeah. on is like, if you need help, ask for it. Nobody cares. Yeah. It's fine. And name the thing that's like scary alongside the thing that's mundane. Cause then it's yeah. like, it's all the same thing. It's all working toward, it's all moving you forward in some way. And I think that the more we can normalize our goals, the quicker we are to reaching them. Excellent. I um, lost my train of thought, but I literally do not know what I was going <laughs> to say. <laughs> that happens to us every episode. I actually have a question for you, gals, because I do want to kind of name and talk about some of the stories that are in the film that make it so great. Who are your favorite um, women in the film? Do you guys have faves? I think as a book lover, Mm. Clara just really takes my heart. I also love that she's like an older woman who's still living her life to the fullest. I've been thinking a lot about this, like what happens when we're 65, 75, 85. And there's, unfortunately, this is a new cause I'm really into is making life better for the elderly in this world. And like your life doesn't end when you're 60. Retirement at 65 is such an old concept whether you do retire or you like just keep like living your life I think that her spirit is so inspiring and I want to be like that when I'm her age <laughs> everybody does yeah I'll echo that Claire has always been my favorite just for all the reasons you just named Olivia but um I want to take a moment to give a huge uh just space for Suzanne West who we lost mm. last month um, to brain cancer. She's in the film um, as a supporting character. It talks about the power of vulnerability and the power of vulnerability as a form of strength. And she is from she's from Calgary. Um, I worked in her office for the year that I was remote before moving to New York. And uh, she raised $300 million for Imaginea. And she was just an incredible spirit. Her spirit animal was um, the wise old owl. And that's how she would give advice to her team back in Calgary at the office. And uh, I have been thinking a lot of her, um, over especially I mean, especially since her passing last last month. And uh, I know I haven't watched the film since. And I know that when I do watch the film next, um, Suzanne is definitely going to. She's always been one of my favorite people in this world, let alone a favorite character in the film. So. Yeah. And it's interesting, like women always talk about vulnerability. Mm -hmm. Uh, Suzanne in the film says, you know, people think that vulnerability is a weakness. I think it's one of the most powerful strengths we have. It's how we communicate. It's how we empathize, how we move things through the world. Um, And I cannot tell you the hundreds of times that people have said, you know, thank you for naming the vulnerability, the strength. So she's a small part of the film, but like one of the most weighted 
statements and often really resonates with people. Yeah. And talk about, you know, manifesting your goals by talking about them. She just, she has a part in the film where she talks about, you can't be afraid to like go and do the thing you want to do. Like start talking about it. That's how she, she's like, that's how I raised $300 million. Like I just told people the vision that I had for this world and they supported me in it. And I think that's, that in and of itself is beyond inspiring. Yeah. Suzanne is one of the greats. She is. Yeah. Well, I'm sure the next time everybody watches the film, Suzanne will definitely be on our minds and hearts for now and forever, as we like to say. So I want to know, before I head back to the wonderful world of final exams, (laughs) are there any exciting future plans, dreams, goals, Google documents that we should know about from you guys? Yeah, we're always uh, we're always hatching weird ideas for movies and television shows. I feel. Do we have anything tangible <laughs> <laughs> to offer the people? You know, I will say. You know, I, this is such a hard question because I'm kind of in between a lot of conversations and in between a lot of Google Docs. Um, you know, people are interested in the film, you know, potentially turning it into other content. I, I'm not really allowed to talk about some of the stuff mm-hmm. that I'm doing right now. Um, but follow dreamgirlfilm.com slash newsletter to know kind of what's up and happening and, and things like that. Um, yeah, I mean, there's all, we're always creating stuff and building stuff. And, you know, Beaver Talk has been such a fun outlet for us to kind of get in on the ground pop culture wise. Um, but Diane and I will be making more media for sure. You're just going to have to stay tuned, Olivia. It's okay. I'm it's around. a TBD. <laughs> and also, like, if you are listening to this and you have, I, like, you have a movie idea or you have, like, a short film idea that you want to get off the ground or get advice about or uh, just talk through the Google Doc, um, reach out to us. Like, we love, I love hearing um, what people want to create content about, especially women and women-led stories. You know, it's having such a moment right now, but we need to ensure that it's not just a moment, that it's the movement that we are all experiencing. So if you're working on something, we definitely want to hear about it. Yeah, absolutely. I love it. I just did a little shimmy because I just felt the need. (laughs) I feel like I did the Hillary shimmy. (laughs) It's a shimmy kind of day. It is a shimmy day. It's a sunny Saturday morning. It's like all the star emojis. (laughs) I like the one with the little... Where it's like this little star and it has all the sparkles. Oh, yeah. Oh, now I know what I wanted to say earlier. <laughs> because I have this. Do you, do you know what shine text is? No. Okay, so your friend who sends you the affirmation, it's a text message you sign up for. And every day it comes to, I think it's Monday through Saturday, Monday through Friday. And it sends you just like a little like expiring quote and then a thing for you to do that day and you can also pick what your like goals are and it'll Mm. curate them for you there's also a gif involved very exciting what's it called highly recommend shine text shine text yeah and how do people find it you just like google shine text and it should be the first one that comes up and you just put in your phone number oh Mm. amazing i've been doing it for two years or something really Uh i've been that's how you're so on track olivia (laughs) exactly Shout out to Shine Text. Shout out to Not Shine sponsor. Text, the official sponsor of <laughs> Olivia Land 2040. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Yeah. Cool. So, I love it, ladies. Well, you can find Dream Girl. You can watch it online now. Woo-hoo! Today is our big launch day. 
Um, you can go to dreamgirlfilm.com slash watch. The film is an hour long. It's beautiful. We want to hear if you watch it. We want you to share it, get into it. Thank yeah. you so much, Olivia. Yeah, thank, thank you, you for Olivia. Having this was so me. great. Oh my so god, we love hanging out with you. Did I tell you that one of my like goals in life is to be on a podcast? Wow. And now I just did Check. it based Boom. on our whole conversation. Next. Manifestation, guys. Manifestation. <laughs> Next, we go. gotta host one. Oh yeah, that'd be fun. Oh my <laughs> I want to hear an art history podcast from you. I I'm so into that. I'm so into that. Your seeds are getting around. planted all over the place. <laughs> yeah, Diana, what's a big dream you've got? I'd like to do some manifesting for you. You know what's crazy? My mind just went blank. (laughs) (laughs) Doc's a big talk. Yeah. Oh, a big goal for me. You need more reflection. I hear you. I want to travel more. Mm. I want to, um, my, my, I have the, I have the travel bug really badly right now. And I want to go where I'm manifesting right now are Japan, Greece, and Mexico City. Wow. So I'm manifesting a little bit of flights in my future. Fun. That's it. (laughs) Great. I'm getting out of Dodge. That's my dream. No, I'm just kidding. I'm joking. I love it. Love it. Well, thanks, ladies. Happy Feminist Wednesday. Happy Feminist Wednesday. Happy Dream Girl launch day. Dream big, dream girl. Thanks, Kent. Hey guys, I'm Lissa Mandel. I'm Philip Cassell. And we're here from The, the Bitch, Bitch Seat, the podcast. It's an interview show where we talk to guests about the horrible and beautiful parts of their youth. We like to think of it as an adult talk show and tell. A grown-up show and tell. There you go. Like that. So for a teaser, here's some magnetic poetry that I wrote on my fridge when I was 12. Hit it, Phil. Dreams of whispered music felt snow white and lathered me in delirious symphonies. The ache within is black and bitter. A thousand frantic shadows scream and chant bitterly. I sleep on a lake of a thousand diamonds. You were 12? Yeah, I was way ahead of my time. Fair enough. Tune in. This has been an Atlantic Transmission production. Hey!